The Out of Bounds Show is powered by the award-winning golf courses at Dancing Rabbit Golf Club in Philadelphia, Mississippi. One week from today, the NFL draft, will Emmanuel Forbes hear his name called in the first round? Will Jonathan Mingo hear maybe first round, but second? Will both of them be off the board by the end of the second round? Ole Miss wide receiver, Mississippi State corner, Emmanuel Forbes, both from Mississippi. Uh, Grenada and Brandon. Yeah, so... Those areas have produced some serious athletes over the years. The NFL draft in Kansas City this year. Blake and I did not get the the uh, the special invite this year, but we did last year where one of our amazing clients sent us to Las Vegas, and Blake and I had an absolute blast. You know it's big. You know it's cool. Um, but when you go and we had VIP, I just got to tell you all that. I mean, we were in the VIP area, and it's it's there were – I don't know how many, a couple hundred, they said there was 600,000 people in and out throughout the weekend in Vegas. Our whole plane from Houston, Texas to Vegas was packed with Texans and everything else fans. God bless Texas. Packers. There's, of course, we Packers. saw Packers fans like they were coming out of the woodwork like That's right. cockroaches. That's right. Uh, and, and these people were taking shots the whole time <laughs> on the plane. Uh, it was it was a madhouse, like it usually is, regardless of what flight you're taking in to, to Vegas. Um, but yeah, we had a great time. It's a week from today. We've got Emmanuel Forbes, Jonathan Mingo, among others. Uh, life-changing stuff, so it's exciting. We want to welcome in Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus. And this is what's happening. Teams are trying to add talent to their roster, and that is powered by Kinetic Staffing. Kinetic Staffing, your executive search firm. For your technology firm, law firm, accounting firm, you name it, uh, executive search and long-term staffing is powered by Kinetic Staffing and KineticStaffing.com. Steve Palazzolo, good morning. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're excited. You're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, you're, you're live tweeting the last 20-something drafts. Is that correct? <laughs> I've been, I've been, you know, doing my, my nightly prep and all that stuff for next week, you know, watching some more prospects. And I figured back, good background noise is old drafts. So I went back to the 05 draft, the 01 draft as background noise. And I figured I'd tweet through it a little bit. Some of the news that was coming out of those fun dra- those drafts there. It was fun looking back. <laughs> you guys are hardcore and I love it. I mean, you know, Steve, you're in the thick of the most popular sport in North America. And, and it's a great space to be in and pro football focus and all the fun stuff y'all get to do. And I know you grind too and do a lot of work, but, uh, and we're, we're, look, I've been to a ton of saints games and so on. And so we understand the NFL, but man, when you go out, when we went out to the draft last year, I knew it would be big. It was a hundred times bigger than I thought, Steve. I mean, this monster of the NFL is something that I think even those of us in it, it's hard to wrap our brain around. 
Yeah, I mean, so even some of the people that responded to my my silly tweets, like, oh, Michael Vick's getting traded, you know, the the Falcons are going up to get him. There were so many people just commenting on something that happened over 20 years ago, saying, I remember that, and what a, you know, what a pivotal moment, that's incredible. I mean, you just, you just don't have that as much in other sports, you know? And so, yeah, the NFL, massive. I think the fans like the offseason as much as they like the regular season. You know, this generation of fans grew up playing Madden and playing franchise mode and all that stuff. And, uh, but it's always been big because people want to know. They want to have hope yeah. for their team. And you do that in free agency. You do that in the draft. So the NFL has done a great job of making it a legitimate 365-day-a-year calendar. Yeah, when the first bar that Blake and I went into in Caesars last year um, it, in Vegas, we ran into some Detroit Lions fans, and that's what they said. What else are we going to do? We have to have hope. <laughs> And I just started laughing. I mean, we're all sitting there holding the beverage, and I'm like, and they're, they, I mean, they're wearing jerseys, and I'm sitting there going, and they're like, yeah, we've been to several drafts. I'm going, I guess, I guess so. That's that's like we have a huge Cleveland Browns fan here, Chuck Mullins. He'll come in studio a couple of times a year. He's like, what do you think we get excited about? We get excited about the draft. I'm a Browns fan. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's again, everybody can have hope, just like. Uh, training camp in July and preseason in August. Everybody has hope, you know, before you kick off week one of the regular season. So, yeah, they uh, NFL does a great job with that. All right. You know how we love to take shots at guys that are on the big stage? Um, and, you know, whenever somebody's wrong, they let them know. If they're right, you don't ever hear about it. Same thing in our jobs. Do you think Mel Kuyper Jr. is any good at his job? Uh, yes. I think he's unbelievable in his job because his job is to, is to entertain and to, you know, create excitement around something that was, that didn't have as much excitement before. I mean, he's, his job isn't to be right. You know, like ESPN's not like, Hey Mel, you were wrong on your quarterback takes last year. We're going to have to give you a pay cut. We're going to have to, you know, <laughs> pods moving up because you had better. That's not his job. His job's not to be right. His job's to entertain and inform. And he's been doing that forever for years. He does a great job with that. And so, yes, Mel Kuyper is incredible at his job. And a lot of us have our jobs covering the draft because of Mel. So full credit to Mel Kuyper. Great point by uh, Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus, PFF.com. To say, look, this crew is loading up content on the site, on Twitter, and on their podcast um, left and right. So when you... You have a guy, I can't remember his name. Blake, help me. Who's the guy with PFF? It's one of Palazzolo's uh, colleagues that's trying to sell us on D- Dallas needs to draft Robinson out of Texas, the running back. Steve Palazzolo, would you draft a running back uh, with Dallas's pick late in the first round? Oh, so it's probably my podcast partner, Sam Monson. He's been. That's it. Will you tell him I'm upset with him? Yeah. Yeah, I'll let him know. He'll be in here. We're going live here in about an hour, so I'll let okay. him know. Um, he's been the one put person pushing Bijan Robinson as uh, a guy that's viable in the first round. And his his basic points, though, are I wouldn't do it with every team. He said, you know, he would do it with teams where they're they're set up where Bijan doesn't have to save the running game. I think that's where teams get into problems is when they say, hey, like Pittsburgh a couple years ago, we can't run the ball. We need Najee Harris. He'll solve everything when it's really the five guys up front, the scheme and all that stuff, the quarterback. I mean, just having uh, lighter boxes to run into up front. So 
the point is Dallas already has a really good offensive line. They've got these good pass catchers now. Um, you've got Dak, and you could tap into Dak as a rushing weapon as well. That Bijan would be a benefit there in the late first. So that's the other aspect of it is where you're paying running backs. And I look, I wouldn't do it, right? If I'm a GM, hell no. I I I would think about all this stuff and say, okay, Bijan might be a different level of special and all that stuff, but I just wouldn't do it, right? The way I would approach the draft is I'd say, look, I, I think there's a lot of good players in there, but if they're not above a certain threshold for me, I'll probably just let other teams draft them. That's both as a player and from a positional value standpoint. But I get the case for Bijan Robinson in the late first round, where you're still you're not getting him on a crazy contract financially. Whereas if you like when you take Saquon Barkley at number two, he's immediately the highest paid running back in the NFL. Right. Like, that's absurd. You don't want to opt in to that. But the contract demands after you get past ten or twelve, pick ten or twelve, the contract structure is not as bad for running backs. And if you're gonna just say, hey, we're gonna get four or five years out of him and, and go, right? And and he's gonna be this cherry on top for our offense that already has a good offensive line and the other options are you know the third tackle or the or the second best guard or the fourth best receiver at that point if it's late first you know you can talk yourself into Bijan Robinson that's uh, that's the idea there although again I, I'm generally on board with I'm going to wait for running backs because there's just way too much evidence that you could find viable players later in the draft I just thought about it. I've shifted from being upset with him to I'm angry with him. So let him know that in an hour and you will start your podcast. Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus. They're crushing it for the draft. They're 24-7. We're a week away. It's going to be fun and exciting to see what all, you know, plays out, shakes out. Dallas picks it right now. They pick at 26. They don't usually move, by the way. Um, so some teams do. Uh, like to move around. Dallas usually, usually doesn't. We'll see what Dak and the Cowboys do at 26 if they're there. Steve, am I crazy? I would like for them to strongly consider drafting a tight end. What are your thoughts there? Uh, I've been on the tight end for Dallas. I definitely think, I mean, if I, I don't know if Dalton Kincaid is there at that point. Uh, I think he'll probably go higher. I would love Dalton Kincaid. I do think he's the top tight end, the guy from Utah. Um, I've given them Michael Mayer from Notre Dame a few times. I, I think people soured on Mayer a little bit. I think once they got into the film, he went from, you know, super hyped Notre Dame tight end to, you know, maybe he's not the best route runner, the shiftiest guy. He's not as athletic as, as maybe he looks on the field. So I think people think of him as maybe a late first, early second. But I think Michael Mayer as a, a third or fourth pass game option, uh, I think he develops into something that could be better than what Dalton Schultz was in Dallas. It took Schultz a few years to get there. It often does with tight ends. Um, but that's, it's a good landing spot, I think, because he doesn't have to be great right away. Uh, bringing in Brandon Cooks and having C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup and you know, the other weapons that you have. I, I like Michael Mayer a lot as a fit for Dallas. So um, I could absolutely see that. You don't want to force a tight end just because it's a need, but I think the value might match up there with, with Mayer. And then if, if Kincaid did fall for whatever reason, he's coming off injury, didn't work out, you know, that could be a really nice option for, for them in the 20s. Steve Palazzolo on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Our discussions powered by Kinetic Staffing. Um, okay, with what Dak and the Cowboys need, do they need a – when you look at their top three receivers, we'll see if Gallup comes back and is really productive. Don't they need a bigger body than the guys we're talking about at receiver? I mean, I, 
I, I generally like to have uh, different body types and different, uh, you know, building a basketball team, as I always like to say, when it comes to wide receiver. I don't think it's the most important thing, though. I think the most important thing is guys that get open, guys that have something that the defense has to account for. And a C.D. Lamb, you have to account for him as a vertical threat, as an after-the-catch threat. Brandon Cooks is a downfield threat, intermediate in downfield level where he can get open and he's just been extremely productive. I think Michael Gallup, you have to deal with him as a route runner. So um, I don't know that you necessarily have to say, hey, we need this dude who's 6'4". We, we have to have that. I think those guys are, are nice to have if you can, but I think the most important thing is getting good receivers. And um, doesn't it feel much better? You know, Brandon Cooks isn't a Hall of Famer or anything like that, but doesn't it feel much better just having him in the mix and saying, look, we have three legitimate options here. If we do add a tight end, we're kind of back to where they were for that few years where it was, uh, you know, Amari Cooper was in and mm -hmm. C.D. Lamb was developing and Michael Gallup. It, it, it feels better. Um, and I think that was the most important part rather than just saying, hey, we need a big body to, to offset yeah. these guys. I think they'll screw it up. Steve Palazzolo on the Farm Bureau Insurance guest line uh, talking Dak and the Cowboys. Uh, you mentioned Brandon Cook's extremely productive. Now he's coming from the Texans. So he's he's going into, even though Dallas has been dysfunctional in some spaces the last 30 years post-Jimmy Johnson, they have won at times with Romo and Dak. Um, and, and so he's been at the Texans. So Cowboys much better franchise i can't believe i'm saying that so when i say that how would you describe brandon cooks the new wide receiver for dak this is kind of his new toy in the offseason um as far as nfl wide receivers pretty good good or really good steve where would you tear him uh he's he's good i i, I think when i when i describe say a wide receiver one a high, I think there's a few high-end options, and there's maybe 15 or 20 guys, I would say. There's a wide receiver one. Not the first guy in the depth chart, but a guy that you're, he is the clear top option on any team that he plays on. There's about 15 of those guys, maybe 20. I think Cooks is in that next tier of guys. He's a wide receiver two. That's not a knock or anything. That's a, a highly productive player. It's probably a better version of Michael Gallup. Um, you know, I think when Dallas had Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb, they were both ones. They're both in that top 15 mix. I think Cooks is a little bit lower there, but we're talking about a guy that has been productive everywhere he's gone. Saints with Drew Brees, Patriots with Tom Brady, Rams with Jared Goff, even with Davis Mills in Houston, Brandon Cooks has been productive. So he's, he's, he's good at getting open at that 10 to 20 yard range. He'll get behind the defense at times. He's not dynamic after the catch, but he's just a good, solid receiver. And you need those guys because in, in, in certain games, it's, it's all game plan oriented, right? When teams take away C.D. Lamb, there's going to be games where Brandon Cooks has eight catches for 100 yards. Uh, there's going to be other games where he has two catches. Right. But it's okay. They didn't need him. They had other guys. But Brandon Cooks is that guy. When, you, when the game plan says we're taking away C.D. Lamb or we're playing certain coverages, Brandon Cooks will be able to produce. And I think that's, again, how you have to build this receiving core, that you have answers. You have to have answers every single Sunday for what defense will throw at you. All right, so even though uh... – Second and nine, which I called second and Zeke, frustrated me the last couple of years. You feel like Kellen Moore is better than Mike McCarthy. So you feel like they're going to take a slight step back as far as play calling and going too conservative, wanting to run a little too much. But you feel like adding Brandon Cooks and a healthy gallop make them a lot better as far as their receiving unit. Am I, is that correct? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the play calling thing is, is really tough to judge. Um, but as far as, like, the on-field, you know, the players there, absolutely. I think they're better. Um, as far as the play calling goes, it's, it's really tough to gauge because coaches are allowed to change, right? They do change. They do uh, evolve. They do make uh, adjustments. And so we don't know what Mike McCarthy is going to do calling plays now versus a few years ago. Uh, Brian Schottenheimer in there is the offensive coordinator in, in title where he's helping with game planning a little bit more. We don't really know what that's going to look like exactly. We could predict it a little bit, but we don't know how much Mike McCarthy may have changed over the last few years. So right. um, as far as the players, though, what we can see absolutely looks like a, a stronger receiving unit, group of pass catchers, and especially if you can uh, – I know Ferguson is in there at tight end, but get another tight end option in there just so you have all your bases covered. Okay. Will you describe the difference between Howie Roseman, the general manager of the Eagles, and what he's done the last few years? I know he's been with them forever, but didn't have total control until the last few years. Uh, he didn't have it under Andy Reid, but was, I think, a major piece of the puzzle. Didn't have it for that year under Chip Kelly, but started going that direction. Can you describe the difference between the Philadelphia Eagles general manager, Howie Roseman, and Stephen Jones with the Cowboys? I think I just think Howie Roseman and the Eagles are on the cutting edge of almost every move that they make. And 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 look, we're we're in we're in draft season right now, and we're going to talk all about this player versus that player and all that stuff. Team building isn't always just picking the best player. Uh, Howie Roseman two years ago chose Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. So you're going to miss on players. But I think what the Eagles do really well is understand positional value, right? Where to spend their resources, which positions to draft, and basically when to draft them. How to say, look, we have contracts coming up a year from now. We have to get this player. So I feel like the Eagles, if you want to compare them to the Cowboys, I would say the Cowboys sometimes wait until they have the direct need, and then they go fill the need. Right. As in, they go into the draft. We need a guard. We're drafting a guard. We need a tackle. We're drafting a tackle. The Eagles say our tackle's contract is up next year. We're going to draft the tackle this year and develop him. And he'll add depth for year one, and he'll be a starter in year two, roughly, right? Um, the other thing I think the Eagles just do is, is overall great process type of picks. They brought in James Bradbury after the draft. They didn't force a cornerback need. They had one of the worst cornerback needs in the NFL going into the draft last year, but they didn't force a pick. They, they waited. They grabbed James Bradbury for pennies on the dollar. Um, didn't lose a comp pick going forward. So it's all little things like that. And now even just signing Jalen Hurts to this monster contract where there's immense cap flexibility because yeah. they backloaded it and manipulated the options and bonus structure and all that stuff. So now the Eagles have their franchise quarterback, but they're not getting bogged down from a salary cap standpoint. So I think it's just a lot of those little things that Howie Roseman, in the, the entire Eagles, they're really staffed up over there. It's not just Howie. They have a good group in that front office. Um, it's that whole group that is just, uh, they do a good job finding all the edges that they can get. And all the little things add up. They compound. I mean, and, and they do. I don't think Stephen Jones is grinding the way a Howie Roseman is because Howie's, Dad isn't the owner. How he knows that if he slips for a couple of years, Jeff Lurie will fire him. Whereas Stephen Jones knows that his family's worth fifteen billion dollars. Do you do you see any of that? Do you agree with that? 
I mean, there's, there's probably something to that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's probably something to that. But I mean, look, I I think the Joneses are really motivated to win. You know, I think we we know that. We know how Jerry operates. We know how. Um, and Dallas has done a good job. I mean, look, not everybody's going to win every single year. Um, overall, they've done a good job. And just like I can highlight Howie Roseman making a misstep by by drafting the wrong player, uh, you can highlight missteps by the Cowboys by paying Zeke Elliott or whatever it might be. Um, but overall, Dallas has been a team that's been good and solid and, and has won, whether it was with Tony Romo or with Dak Prescott and all that stuff. So overall, it's been good. I know the desire is for a championship, but those are challenging. It's challenging getting to win, especially when Tom Brady's winning it every year. So um, overall, Dallas has been fine. I think they're motivated to win a championship. It's just uh, it's a challenging thing to get to the top. It is. It is. Steve Palazzolo on the Out of Bounds show. Blake has a QB question. Yeah, uh, Steve, you quoted something from Bill's gym uh, being that said they don't like the back end of the draft. They don't have a lot of first-round grades, and we've heard that. So with the QB situation the way it is and the rumors that the Houston Texans may not draft a QB, do you see this draft ending up more like last year's? Not that Kenny, you know, we went so long with Kenny Pickett being drafted. We know there's going to be a guy at number one, but do you see a, a lower QB class this year, or do you see this first round being four or five guys like maybe three weeks ago everybody was talking about? I don't know, man. I feel like we see the smoke everywhere, right? There's there's some rumors that Hendon Hooker is going to be QB5 in the first round, other rumors that everybody drops. I'm kind of leaning to maybe the quarterbacks end up dropping. You know, the teams that we thought might be in the QB market, uh, maybe they're not going to force a pick, and they're going to grab somebody a little bit later. We saw the Panthers do that last year, right? They did not draft Kenny Pickett at six. They waited to get Matt Corral later in the draft. Uh, I'm not saying they'll drop that far, but we might see some of those, the Will Levises or Anthony Richardsons maybe go in the teens or in the 20s, and they might fall a little bit. We'll see, man. I, um, I would take my shots at quarterback, but I know teams are like, hey, if we don't love this guy, I'd rather get a good high-end first-round player instead of taking a shot at a quarterback in the first that I don't love. So there's certainly that possibility that some of these guys – at least one of them drops much further than we expected. But, yeah, we'll definitely have more first-round QBs this year than we did last year. 45 picks in. Is Emmanuel Forbes off the board? Uh, yeah, I think he's picked by then. Yeah, I think he's top end of the second round, I would say, for Forbes. Uh, 45 picks in. Is Jonathan Mingo off the board? I will also say yes on that. He's you know, Peter Schrager just put him in his first round. I think going to the Saints, actually. Um, there's a little bit of smoke around Mingo just because there's not a lot of receivers in this class that have his size and speed combo, and it's a, it's a lot of small receivers in this draft class. So I think I think Mingo's going to be coveted because of it because he's got something that the other guys don't have. That Jonathan Mingo could be a first-round pick. Incredible. That would be wild, wild, wild. All right, Steve Palazzolo. Tell your colleague I went from upset to angry. I, I can't I can't have Robinson. They've already got twenty million dollars in the running back group, and one of them, the guys didn't even own the team. I I, I can't I can't pick another dude. <laughs> I, get it. I, I just it's uh, all right. He he also said Dujon can go to the Eagles. So if you want the Eagles to get him with Hurts in the backfield, you can do that too. No, I don't want that either. Damn it! All right, we'll talk later. I just got even more upset. I got to do another hour. See you. <laughs> Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus, PFF.com. Talent accumulation brought to you by Kinetic Staffing, Executive Search, and Long-Term Staffing Leader. 
Kinetic Staffing, kineticstaffing.com. Back in a sec. 